0: Turn with me your Bibles once again to Matthew chapter six. We're making our way uh, here. as your first time We're making our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, this morning we'll be looking at verses sixteen through eighteen. Verses sixteen through eighteen. I'll give you a few moments to, uh, to get your Bibles. Uh, Turn there; it'll be on the screen uh, as well. This morning we find ourselves really at a subject. You probably haven't heard preached on much. I certainly haven't preached on it much. Uh, but a subject that, nonetheless, we come to in the Sermon on the Mount, and that is the subject of fasting. <coughs> Here's what it says, starting with verse 16 in Matthew chapter 6. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that, Their their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So let's uh, stop for a moment and grab a little context because when we got to the uh, the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, we kind of took several weeks to look at that. And I'm afraid we maybe have lost our context of the, those verses and these verses as well. Uh, uh, chapter one, or sorry, verse one of chapter six gives us the context uh, of these verses. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward for, from uh, from your Father who is in heaven. And so Jesus kind of introduces this tiny section of the Sermon on with, with the Mount with that sentence. And then what he does is he offers us three examples of how we can take something, take a religious practice and do it just to be seen by others in verses 2 and 4 it's about giving He says be careful how you give not just to be seen by other people but to, to give because of God alone and then in verses 5 through 15 he talks about praying, prayer and how be careful how you pray don't, be, uh, don't pray just to be seen by other people Pray because it is your communication with your God. And, and though he uh, does it, gives, gives us a lot of instruction there on prayer, it still exists in this context of the overarching theme here is don't do things to be seen by others, do it to be seen by God. And so in the third example, which we're looking at this morning, it's fasting, verses 16 through 8. So he's saying don't fast to be seen by others. Fast, because it is for your God. And I would argue that one of these is not like the others in the life of our church and and a lot of churches because concerning giving we would say, okay, I give. And those who don't give would at least say, I understand why we as Christians should give. We would also say the same thing about prayer that yeah, I understand. I, I pray, or if I don't pray, I, I know I need to be praying because prayer is a, is an important practice of the faith. And then there's fasting. And by and large, we would say that it's not something we talk about or practice very often. Now, I'm, 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 I'm not saying that for everybody. As a pastor, I've come across people at Wyatt that are fasting. They're fasting uh, for the salvation of their kids. They're fasting over... Uh, you know, just God's guidance and things like that. And so I'm not saying it doesn't happen in our church, but I'm saying that it's not something that we talk about very often. And yet here Jesus assumes the practice of fasting in the life of the Christian, just like he assumes that giving and prayer is going to be a part of the Christian life. I got to say that coming to these verses have been very convicting for me. You may not know it by looking at me, but I'm not an expert in not eating food. Um, Donnie likes to say about me, Adam doesn't know much, but he knows food. Um, And so I will not say that I've never attempted fasting. I, I have. I'm not sure that I've ever been successful. And really doing it in a biblical way that needs to be done. Or, or staying with it as long as I'm going to stay with it. Uh, there's been a lot of failure on my life. I have, I will say as things other than food, there have been some moments where I've been successful. And had uh, some great spiritual benefits from that. We'll talk about that in, in a little bit. And so what I want us to do... Uh, we will be looking at this verse, but I also just want to unpack fasting and help us, uh, and, and you can learn with me about, uh, about fasting and mistakes that are assumed about fasting, and, and really think about, biblically, the reasons and ways that we should fast as Christians. So my prayer is that we can learn together. My own heart has been challenged this week to, to somehow implement fasting more into my life, and, and maybe that may be for you as well. So what is fasting? Fasting in the strictest sense is abstaining from food for a period of time. Uh, That's really in the strictest form of fasting. Every morning, what do we eat? We eat breakfast. Break fast because we we haven't eaten for a long period of time because we've been sleeping. And we wake up and we break that fast. So historically, we know that most religions fast. In almost every form of religion, there's forms of fasting. With Native Americans, you have uh, fasting to try to bring on uh, visions and, and things of that nature. And there's really, I don't know of many religions that in some form doesn't make some type of fasting part of that religious practice. So it's common among Religious activity. We know there's political fast. There's political fast. Gandhi uh, was famous for this uh, 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 a way to protest what was going on. And so uh, fasting and, and political protest for, for some, uh, some issue. And there are health fasts. There's times when your doctor is telling you you're going to have this test, and so you need to fast for uh, after midnight. You know, you receive that instruction a lot. But let's—we're most concerned, of course, with the biblical history of fasting. We see that uh, there's a lot of fasting that goes on in the Old Testament. Now, there's only one commanded fasting. To the people of of Israel in the Old Testament. That is the day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. And that was a 25 hour fast. This is really the only fast that God demanded happen every year of his people. But there was also lots of voluntary fasts. And usually, fasting in the Old Testament was associated with moments of sorrow or impending judgment uh, I'm just going to give a few examples uh, and we can take these examples and multiply them throughout the Old Testament find other verses but just for example sake 2 Samuel 12 16-18 David fasted and wept for his dying child remember he had the child that uh, he was going to have to lose because of his sin with Bathsheba and he fasted and, uh, and, and wept and mourned that child In Esther uh, chapter 4, verses 3 and 16, the Jews fasted when they were threatened with extermination at the hands of Haman. Um, They were scared, and and they wanted God to intervene, and so they prayed uh, and fasted. And then, of course, just a few weeks ago, we looked at Jonah, uh, and in Jonah chapter 3, verses 6 through 10, we have the Ninevites to show God that they're very, very um, serious about feeling bad for their sin, one of the things they do is they order a citywide fast, even uh, ordering the animals to fast, because they wanted to show God they believed that he was about to destroy them. So really, that's most often the types of uh, fasting that we have in the Old Testament, usually associated with sorrow or repenting. Because of fear of impending doom. In New Testament, we kind of have a a turn in what fasting is about. It's more about cultivating a deeper desire for God. Uh, Here are a few examples, and we'll be coming back to these examples to, to build our framework for reasons to fast. We know that Jesus fasted for 40 days. Right before he started his earthly ministry, right before his temptation from Satan and his earthly ministry. He fasted for 40 days in preparation of that ministry. We, of course, have our text here where uh, Jesus is instructing people in how they practice their religion, and he says, when you fast, with the assumption that Christians are going to fast. Matthew 9, and we'll we'll look at these in a moment, but uh, Jesus gets questioned because... uh, they come to him and they say, look, John the Baptist's uh, disciples,
1: they're, uh, they're
0: fasting. And so why, why do your disciples not fast? We never see your, your disciples. are always eating. They're always drinking. Uh, they, they're not fasting. Why, why are they not fa- fasting? And we'll see how Jesus answers that question. But it, it comes up in Jesus' ministry of why his disciples are not fasting. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, in Acts 14, we have uh, the leaders of the early church and members of the early church uh, fasting about uh, choosing leaders in the church and and then fasting to prepare those leaders uh, to be sent out. Now, we'll talk about this in a moment, too. Now, after Acts, in the New Testament, fasting is not mentioned yet in all the epistles, and, and I think we can make some, um, make some observations from that, and we, we will in a moment. I want to, want to talk about mistakes concerning fasting, mistakes, mistakes, misconceptions about fasting. The first one I want to talk about is trying to force it on yourself or others when it is not born out of a desire to do so. Even in the Old Testament, when fasting was more prominent, it was almost always voluntary when it came from God handing it down. As we've already seen, there was only one required fast the entire year, and it was a 25-hour fast. Now, since Jesus mentions prayer, giving, and fasting together, we, we can say that Jesus saw fasting as part of the Christian life. But at the same time, while prayer and giving is all over the New Testament, it's all over the pastoral epistles when the churches are being taught how to live their lives, we, we, we see prayer and, and giving all over the place. We see fasting is absent. Now, I don't think that means that fasting is, should be done away with. It should be a part of the Christian life and, and a, uh, a, a tool that Christians use. But it seems it doesn't exist on exactly the same level as things that are to be happening daily, such as prayer and giving uh, of our time and our money and those types of things. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that should be born out of desire and not by force. Okay, so it's something It's something that, and if you want to do it, do it. If you think it might be helpful and you don't really want to do it, pray for God to give you a desire to do it, but don't say, well, if I'm going to be more mature as a Christian, this is something I have to force myself to do. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's a hard thing. And so there's, there's a... a Part of it is, is discipline and make yourself do it, but it should be born out of a desire to grow closer to God. It should be born out of a desire to pray for something amazing that, that, that you feel like uh, God may want to do in your life around you. But it's to be born out of desire. Let's not use that as a cop-out. It should be something that we're spiritually open to in our lives. The second thing, which is clear from our text this morning, is doing it for show. It is, it is something that not every Christian does. In fact, some Christians, due to health reasons, probably shouldn't fast, at least for any long period of time. And so since it's something that's not daily talked about or practiced as Christians. It's an easy thing to take pride in. It's easy to say, I've achieved a whole nother level of Christianity because I fast. Well, the problem is with that attitude is it is the heart, the exact heart of the Pharisees. We see that that was a huge problem among the Pharisees. This is really in many ways who had kind of set the standard for hypocrisy and making sure everyone knew you were fasting. Like I'm going to look as pitiful as possible so people know that I'm being godly and fasting. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, if you remember that parable, it's, uh, it's in uh, Luke 18, where you have a Pharisee who's telling, well, let's read it, in, in verses 11, verse 11 it says, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I give. And so we have here, and, and then of course the tax collector comes up and he can't even look to God because he feels so sinful and, and the, the, the the moral of the parable is that when the man who was humble went home justified. The man that was sitting there going, I fast twice a week, God. You only ask to. To fast once a year. And I do it twice a week. And so we have to be very careful. Not just in fasting. But in all spiritual areas. To think somehow we've reached this level. That other people haven't. And how God is so lucky to have us. That's not. That is your heart fasting. You can stop fasting. Until you're spiritually mature enough. To be humble about it. And fasting should not be a means to punish our physical bodies. Stoics uh, of the day uh, in the New Testament, they saw the physical world as sinful, as, man, the physical, that's why many of them would teach that Jesus didn't really come in a physical body, because physical things are sinful. The physical world is bad. And so it was a it, it arose out of them many teachings that even physical is bad. And so a lot of teachings rose up and said, fasting is a great way, like not eating certain stuff and, and all these dietary laws, that's a way to set your free, life free from these physical sins. The Bible is very clear on how wrong those types of, teaching, of teachings are. First Timothy 4 and verses 1 through 3 says this, Now the Spirit expresses, expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciousness are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Colossians 2, verses 20-23 through says, If with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, And so the scripture is saying is that is that there's lots of false teachings about fasting and staying away from certain foods. When the Christian way is enjoy those foods with Thanksgiving. And so every teaching on fasting is not the same. Some fasting this this actually these scriptures actually call it a teaching of demons. So there's a fasting which is a teaching of demons, and there's a fasting of, that Jesus teaches us about It is good and godly. So be mindful. All fasting and all teachings of fasting are not one and the same. And lastly, when it comes to mistakes we made, it should be seen as a way to get what we want from God. I think my, and I'm embarrassed to say this, I think my longest fast came in college when a girl broke up with me. I didn't want to be broke up from her, so I fasted so God would give it back to me. wasn't crystal, So it all worked out for me. But what a ridiculous reason to fast. That thinking that if I just add this, you know, I'm praying, so if I add this, it's just going to be that I'm going to pull the lever, and God, when I pull that lever fasting, boy, he's got to see this is really important to me, and then he has to give it to me. And while we'll, we'll talk about it in a moment that yes, fasting is a way to kind of let God know this is important to me and I want this and I desire this, it doesn't mean it's necessarily something that God has to do just because we fast. So let's look at reasons and ways to fast according to the scriptures. The first reason to fast is to cultivate a longing for the presence of. Going back to Matthew uh, 9, which we alluded to, uh, Jesus being questioned about fasting. It says in verse 14, then the disciples of John came to him saying, and then so these are godly men. These are disciples of John. These are not bad men. These are men with an honest question. They say, why do we, uh, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. A great biblical reason to fast is in longing for the presence of God. Okay, so Jesus is telling them, Look, they have me with them right now. They have the Son of God walking around, teaching them how to live their lives. I'm with them when they wake up. I'm with them when they go to bed. And so these are great moments for them. This is a great time for them. I'm here. There's going to come a time when I'm taken away. And that's going to be a time where they're going to fast and they're going to struggle with that absence from me. And so According to this, I believe that when we feel distant from God, when we feel like we're trying everything and we're just not growing closer to God, that it may be a time to call some type of fast in our life as a way to pursue more the presence of God. Not, not with a, a punishing ourselves, but with a just longing for something more. Fasting should be about giving up something good, which is food, for something even better, which is Christ. And that, that is really kind of the heart of, of, of fasting after Christ. It's giving up something good So that you can get something better, and that is more of Christ and more of a longing for Christ. I've also heard of people in reference to this verse, just uh, do fasting and and take a meal or so to, to pray for Christ's return. And I think that is operating according to this verse, that it's a longing for the presence of God in our lives. Fasting, another reason maybe to fast is to seek God's will on a decision or to seek preparation for an important task. We see this in Acts thirteen. Uh, the members of the church in Antioch, so this church is formed, um, and they want to figure out well, what's next for us? What do we need to do? And so it says in verse two, while they were worshiping the Lord in fasting. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So the members of, of the church of Antioch were worshiping and fasting and, and so God had brought this church together. They want to know what's next. What do we need to do now that the church of Antioch has come together? And they prayed and they worshiped, and they fasted, and God revealed to them, send out Paul and Barnabas to go plant churches. And then after they they get that word and and understand that that's what needs to be done, they pray and fast some more before they send Paul and Barnabas out. And Paul, we see that Paul and Barnabas continue this practice because in the next uh, chapter Acts fourteen twenty three as they're going out and planting churches, it says in verse 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So they continue this path of, hey, we're fasting and praying to, to, to raise up these leaders and figure out who the leaders need to be. And we're fasting and praying as they go forward that, that God would be with them So if you have an important decision to make in your life, and if you're having trouble discerning what God's will is, it may be a a time to use this great, amazing tool that God has given us in fasting. Now, and warning, this is not, Christian fasting is not, I'm going to not eat food until I get some supernatural vision because my, my brain shut down because I'm not getting enough food. No, it's, it's making sure that you couple your fasting with, with prayer and, and with making sure you're confirming God's guidance by the scriptures. But fasting may very well be a great way if you're just stuck and can't figure out where to go just to take some time fasting to to search out what God may have to do. Or if you have an important task ahead of you, Jesus himself did this before his earthly ministry. Maybe you have a mission trip coming up. And you want to take some time during your meals to not eat food, but to to pray for God's work in that trip. Maybe you're about to set out on discipling someone one-on-one, and maybe you've never done it before. Uh, you want to take some time every week to, to pray and, and fast over that issue. And lastly, fasting as part of seeking the answer to a prayer. This goes back to our text in verse 18 that your fasting may not, uh, may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So it seems like from our text that fasting can and does move God into action to answer the prayers of his people, to reward them. That, that fasting can have the benefit of rewards for God. Not automatic, not guaranteed, but it's certainly taught in Scripture that it can move him. It's a great way to just let God know that this is very important. So important to me that I'm willing to to spend time, you know, in prayer over this thing over you. And, and uh, you know, I've heard of parents with prodigal children that you know, they take a take a meal every week and, and just use that time to not eat but to pray for that child and and. Uh, pray for revival, pray for... I've heard people praying for the nations, just taking a... And even, maybe sometimes if they go out and eat a lot, they may uh, refrain from that meal and give that money to missions as they're praying for missions. So it's kind of a double reward there as well. I'll say this. I feel like in my life, I've seen the reward of fasting. Um, If you would ask me, when have I I ever seen just God's Spirit poured out in a way that we would call revival, right? Not revival like we're scheduling Sunday through Wednesday, but a true, like, unexplainable outpouring of the Spirit of God that just perplexes you. I've seen that. I saw that about 20 years ago at, at my college, Central Baptist College. Um, there was a guy there, a very zealous and, and godly uh, young man, and he longed for a revival for the school. we were a Bible college, and he wanted to see uh, just the Spirit of God come down and, and do great things on that campus. And so he fasted for 40 days. Um, drank vegetable broth to give his vitamins, and uh, drank juice, but besides that, uh, no food for 40 days and he took that time to, to pray that God would do something special on our campus and there was a chapel <laughs> set up where this was going to be the time where the preaching was done to kind of call the campus to revival I'm very ashamed to say I'm a fly fishing um, so sorry I've, I've ask God's forgiveness that I didn't have more faith in our campus that there was going to be something supernatural happen. I went, I went fly fishing that day. Um, and God did amazing, amazing things on our campus. I didn't miss it. I just missed the beginning of it. There's people being converted left and right. Uh, the, uh, a line, a long line at the payphone for people wanting to and tell their family the gospel or tell their friends the gospel. People just leaving campus to boldly go to restaurants in town and share their faith. People repenting of sins. This went on for days and days and days. And God taught me in that moment I'll never, ever doubt the power of someone giving up food fasting and praying for something amazing to happen because you have seen it. And so I'll just say that as an encouragement to you um, that I, as your pastor, have seen it and know that God will do some amazing things when godly people do without to pursue and seek Him and pray for me. Great things to happen. So, real quickly, just going to go over some ways ways to fast. Um, You can fast a lengthy fast of days, like uh, my friend in college did, forty days. uh, That's a long fast that uh, many of us can't even think about. But maybe a fast of days, of doing without food and taking those meal times to pursue God. Maybe a one meal fast. Maybe it's something that you decide, man, this is something I like to do. This is something I desire to do the rest of my life. I'm going to, you know, on Tuesdays, I'm going to, at lunch, I'm not going to eat know, just going to pursue God and pray over certain things. Um, that's fasting. It doesn't have to be something, especially starting off, oh, it doesn't have to be something extreme. That's still fasting. That's still giving up something good, pursue something that's even better. Of course, you can do a 24-hour, you know, a day fast. You can even fast from certain foods that you know, that I'm going to refrain from this type, this this certain type of food just to grow my desire for God. Maybe I I like sugar too much, so I'm going to do away with sugar for a while and And just use that as a a way to be dependent on God. And then fasting from things other than food. That's probably not strictly, in a sense, what you would call fasting. We we use it a lot. I think it's fine to say, I'm going to fast. I mean, in our world of technology, sometimes people feel like, I need to get away from technology. I just need to fast from technology. I need to get, I use too much of my time on Facebook. I need to take a Facebook fast and spend more time pursuing God. And and, uh, so that may be a way uh, to fast, especially if maybe your health uh, condition doesn't allow you to do other fasts. And so um, think outside the box. To fast doesn't mean you're um, doing a 40-day fast like Jesus, Um, but it, it means that you're bringing some things in your life where you're giving up certain things to pursue something even better. So, in conclusion, what a privilege it is to have the option of fasting after the cross. While Old Testament fasting was typically more about sorrow and repentance and trying to show God, I'm serious because you're afraid of His wrath. After the cross, it's more about joy in God. It's more about longing and passion and joy that Man, I get to pursue God, and I can give up certain things so I can pursue him more effectively. What a great privilege to just be able to, through fasting and through other ways, say, God, I desire you more than anything. More than anything in my life, I have an appetite for you. As much as I love food, I can give it up at times if I can have you. I can have more of you. Christian, I would ask you, do you you cultivate a hunger for God? That's what fasting is about. Because we don't want to just not eat. That's that's where I've failed a lot of times in fasting. I just didn't eat. But I didn't replace that not eating with a hunger and pursuit of God. Cultivate an appetite for Him, Christian. Whether you do fasting or as a means to do this, or or other means of doing it, do everything you can to cultivate a hunger and appetite for God that no other earthly appetite can compete with. Not food, not not romance, not anything else can compete with your appetite for God. That's what fasting is about. And so I would ask you as Christians, is that what you're doing in your life? And maybe you need to adjust if you're not. And I would tell you, I would tell the laws if you're here and you've never come to know Christ in the first place and you've tried so many things in life, you've tried Everything you can think of And it hasn't satisfied you I'm here to tell you this morning That there is a God Who will satisfy your soul That he died on the cross So that you can have his presence So that he he took on your sin And received the punishment for your sin So that He could place his righteousness on you, the righteousness of Christ on you. And therefore, he could satisfy your soul. I close with four verses. John 6, 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Psalm 107, 9. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. He fills with good things. Psalm 22, 26. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your heart live forever. In Psalm 16, 11. In your presence there is fullness of of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So please stand. Christian, do you have a hunger for God? Lost person, it's never known Christ. Listen, he will satisfy your soul. Respond, I'll be right here and I would love to talk to anyone would like to talk this morning. There are people around you that would love to talk to you about these things. Respond however God's placed on your heart to respond this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you are better. That you are better than anything on this earth. You're better than food, physical romance. God, you're better than the prettiest sunset that we see on this earth. Sunrise. God, you're better than our favorite things on this earth. God, help us to live lives that demonstrate that. God, help us to be hungry, to have an appetite for you above all earthly things. Earth. God, I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you that they would respond to you this morning and to be to receive the satisfaction that they've been trying to find in so many other things, And I pray that someone would walk right away from here gaining satisfaction. God, move in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray.